This is Pastor Scott Hidman from Clovis Hills Community Church, and you are listening to the Clovis Hills Podcast. You are about to hear from one of our teaching pastors here at Clovis Hills. I want to encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app where you can follow along with today's notes, submit a prayer request, or give to the ministry of this church. I hope today's message encourages you and draws you closer to the heart of God. I want to say uh, good morning to those that are listening online right now on Facebook Live, those that are listening to our podcast all over, all over the place. Uh, we're glad you guys are with us too. Man, uh, we had an incredible uh, December here at Clovis Hills. We just saw lots of God activity. It's been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. But I'm excited to get into the new year and we're starting a new series called the 360 Degree Christian. And um, we're gonna talk about um, really what it means to be a well-rounded believer. You know, there's some people that um, they have a very deep faith and they know the Bible very well and they believe in Jesus and, and they're all in on, on that, but they don't have much of an influence on, on, in, in the world. Um, and usually it's because they've taken the Bible, which the Bible in Hebrews 4.12 says it's like a sword. It's living and active and it, and it, it cuts, cuts through things. But the problem is uh, sometimes um, that group ends up using the Bible more like a billy club. It's not very sharp, right? And they just beat people with it. And there's not, no one, you know, no one's listening on that end. And then you get another group of believers where um, their faith might be an, an inch deep, and they don't really have a foundation or anything like that, and, and, um, but it's a mile wide and they, they have all kinds of um, influence in the world that they could be leveraging for Jesus, but they don't because they, they feel insecure about their faith. And my hope is that you'll become a 360 degree Christian, that you're a mile, mile wide and a mile deep, that you can reach up in worship, you can reach down in servanthood, you can reach around in community, you can reach out in evangelism and you can dig deep in discipleship and become well-rounded. Maybe that's what God has for you this year. It's my hope for you. So um, this morning, we're gonna read from uh, the book of Colossians. I know we spent all of 2019 going through the book of 1 Corinthians and we still didn't make it though, to be honest. We, we made it to chapter 13 and then we had to give a synopsis. Um, Today, I want us to read from Colossians chapter one. My friend Marty is gonna come out and she's gonna read Colossians chapter one, 24, all the way to chapter two, verse five. So if you're able to, I'd love it if you could stand in honor of God's word. Colossians 1, 24 through two, five. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding 
in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. You may be seated. So, uh, three years ago, today, I stood in front of you guys and I threw out, um, I was scared to death, to be honest, that Sunday. I'm not normally nervous when I preach, but that Sunday I was. Because we were entering into something called Focus 2020. It was a three-year evangelistic initiative where we were going to, as a church, focus evangelistically. Like, that was going to be our main focus for three years. And I remember I was going to, I, I was going to, I said to you guys, what if we saw over the next three years, 2,500 first-time decisions for Christ? People, 2,500 people through the ministry of Clovis Hills would step from death to life in eternal life. A thousand people get baptized um, and we would plant three churches. And you think, well, big deal. But I, I need you to understand something. That was January, the first Sunday in January of 2017. In 2016, we had seen 36 first time decisions for Christ for the whole year. That's 36 confirmed kills. We baptized somewhere around 80 people. Like that was a, a drastic goal. Like, uh, oh my gosh. And no one likes to put a goal out there and fail, right? That, that's why most of us don't make New Year's resolutions anymore. You know, if we do, we make very makeable ones. Like, well, this year I plan my New Year's resolution is not to murder. Um, so it was, I was scared to death to put that out there because like, how are we gonna do that? That's crazy. And, um, here, and, and we were gonna have a missions emphasis where we wanted to train church planters around the world and, and, and start churches abroad as well. And I asked the congregation, I asked you guys to do three things. I asked you to, to go and share the gospel, to, 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 to go and be the church, um, to, to go to the evangelistic events that we did, um, if we planted a church, I called some of you to go with the church planner and help them plant it. And some of them never came back, right? They just left and that, that was okay. We, as you look around, we needed the seat anyways. But listen, um, and, then, and then I said, I want you, besides going and, and sharing the gospel and gossiping the gospel, I want you to grow in your knowledge of how to do that. So we launched our 401 class, and it's called Discovering Your Life Mission. And um, that's one where it helps you learn to, to, to make new disciples, right? And we did a teaching series like uh, My Life Mission, where you learn the technique of the three circles, and, and My 316, where you learn to use John 316 to share your faith. So I asked you to grow in your knowledge of how to share, share the gospel. And then the last thing I asked was to give. And I said, would you pray about giving over and above what you normally give towards Focus 2020 so that we could see 2,500 people come to Christ and 1,000 baptisms and plant three churches and do all of this missions work. And, um, and then we had a few things we wanted to do on campus here too. One of which is a preschool, which we're still doing, by the way. It's just the county of Fresno moves like a snail with arthritis in the dead of winter. If you work for the county, 
You heard that. Okay? <laughs> um, seriously, we've been plodding along for three years, but we're almost there. We're almost there to break ground. Um, and it was a... Um, and, and it was a kind of a no guilt thing too about the giving. We just said, hey, pray about it. And if God gives you a number that you could give over and above what you normally give, then do that. And if he doesn't give you a number, if you don't get anything, don't worry about it. No guilt. It's not like we're tracking, you know, we're like, hey, you didn't donate anything. We don't do that here. We don't, some of you, you're guilty coming today because you're like, I wasn't here all of December. Sean knows it. I don't. Don't worry about it. We don't take role here either. Stop feeling guilty about, okay? Strip off all the old religion, okay? We have a no guilt policy here. And so we said, grow, go, and give. Why would we do that? Why would we say that? Well, I want to read you the passage we just read, verse 24 and 25 of that passage. Because look what it says. This is Paul speaking to a church in Colossae. Okay? First century. He says, Now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. I fill up my flesh what is lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. So, so let me explain to you what he's saying. He's saying, Church, I love you. And my sacrifice, I'm sacrificing for you just as Christ has for me. Just as Christ has for you, I, I'm laying it all out. And then he says, I'm doing it for the sake of the body, which is the church. Okay? So he says, for the sake of the body, which is the church. Who's the church? Hey, you guys are getting good at that. Okay, you're, you're the church. Verse 25. He says... I've become its servant. He's talking about the church. I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Okay, now I want you to understand something. Whenever we as 21st century modern Christians read the word of God in the Bible, we typically see that as the word of God is the... The one person knew the answer. <laughs> word of God is the Bible. Okay, let's, let's all try it together. The Word of God is the... Now I'm going to confuse you. So here, here's the deal. When Paul was writing this to the church in Colossae, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have the Gospels. They didn't have the, the, all, all his epistles. That, that had not been put together yet. And to the very first Christians, um, and scholars across the board would agree, N.T. Wright, who is the, the premier scholar on Paul, he wrote the book on Paul, basically. Um, he, 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 he notes in his commentary of the Corinthians, he says, whenever the, 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 the first Christians would see that phrase, the word of God, and Paul saying, I, I, I strive to contend to bring the word of God to you, he wasn't actually talking about the Bible. He was talking about the gospel was the word of God. That's why later in Colossians, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you sing songs and hymns to one another, lifting each other up. Because what he was talking about is that the way the church, when we gather, who's the church? When we gather, we gather around the cross. We gather around the gospel, the life, death, resurrection of Jesus, we sing the gospel, we recite the gospel, we read the gospel, we preach the gospel, we get in growth groups and we gossip the gospel to each other. I tell you to leave the doors and go be the church and 
Gossip the gospel wherever you go. Everything hinges around the, life, the, the perfect life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our belief in it. It's not the ABCs. It's not the beginning of your faith. It is your faith. It's, it, you can wade in it. It's an inch deep, but it's also a mile deep. It's miles and miles deep. And even Paul talks about in, in one of his other epistles that, that, that the angels look at what God did in that gospel, that, that God saw that humanity was separated from him. And he became flesh and came and lived among us and lived a perfect life because you and I couldn't. And then he died and was resurrected and that has reconnected humanity to God, to those who believe in Jesus. And it even says that the angels long to understand it. They look at it and go, Phew. So this is why we're here. This is why, we, what, what we do. And see, Jesus commanded all, Every Christian, he commanded the Christians to go make new disciples. We should always be in that process of making new disciples. Um, now, here's the thing. I'm still in the process of becoming a disciple. Anyone here live an inconsistent life where sometimes you don't do what you believe? Only a few of you, okay. The church, you know, people, it always boggles my mind when they say, oh, I hate the church. It's full of hypocrites. Well, yeah, that's why we welcome you. Um, everyone on this planet, at some point, we live an inconsistent life with, with our beliefs. It doesn't matter what your ideology is. There's going to be times where we are. And see, um, God knew that. God knew that, that, that those who belong to him would sin and would be inconsistent and would have that. And that's, that's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples, he brought, pulled them together before he ascended to the Father and he gave us a mission. He said in verse 19 and 20 of Matthew 28, he said, therefore, go make disciples of all nations. That was implied new disciples. Now we're always becoming disciples. Like I'm still working on it. God's still not done with me. Thank God. He says, therefore go make new disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And some of you are like, okay, I like to make new disciples. I like the baptizing. But how can I teach other people how to obey Jesus when I struggle obeying Jesus? Anyone feel that way? Here's, I'm gonna let you in on some really good news. When Jesus told that to the 12 disciples, they were just as hypocritical as you. They struggled just as much as you. Within 30 days of Jesus giving that commission, Peter had just publicly disowned Jesus in front of a bunch of people. And here's the good news. God has done this for 2,000 years. Is God is a master at drawing straight lines with crooked sticks. God is awesome at making beautiful things out of dirt. Think about that. It says in Genesis that every one of us here, that all humanity was made from the dust of the earth. All of you are nothing but dirt bags. But he made something beautiful out of it. In the midst of our sin, our brokenness, our hypocrisy, somehow God still draws a straight line and that's his church. As messed up as we are. So we gave that goal and what happened? 
Well, um, I remember before we kind of announced those goals and, hey, we're going to do this, I came to kind of my leaders and I was vetting the, the vision and trying to figure out what it was. And I believe that God speaks through other people. That's, you know, sometimes it's like you see it in his word and sometimes it's through other people. It never contradicts his word though. And, um, and I, I came to them and I said, well, I think that, you know, over the next three years, I think God's calling us to see a thousand people make a first-time decision for Christ, and, and 300 baptisms, and we, we're going to plant a church. And I remember um, Dave Love and Pastor Scott were like, did you pray about that one? I was like, yeah. And they're like, I think it was Pastor Scott, stupid Scott. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I don't know if you really prayed well about that one. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I he goes, I, I think if God really gave you a number, it'd be one that would frighten all of us. And I was like, shut up, man. And Dave said, maybe you get back in your prayer closet and figure out what God really wants. And to be honest, I had prayed about it, but it was more of like, thousand, right, Lord? Amen. Um, and we laugh because we've done that, haven't we? Lord, you don't want me to move to Fresno, right? Amen. That, you know, that, that kind of prayer. Got back in my prayer closet, got some confirmation I felt like from the Lord, and we presented the 25,000, three churches, and the missions emphasis. And um, so three years later, here we stand. And I, I'm going to tell you, we didn't make it to 2,500. Um, we actually had 2,507 first time decisions for Christ over the last three years. It's crazy. So the seven people that didn't get a bulb, I owe you. Okay, listen. Um, that, that was just phenomenal. And that, that's not all in this room. That was through some of the missions trips we did, our church plants. We, we recorded theirs. And we wanted a name with everyone. And I've got 2,507 names. And I was going to bring them and make a big pile of them right here to kind of show the illustration of there's a name with everyone. But Pastor Dave had filed them all by date for three years and I just felt horrible ruining his whole thing. <laughs> so next week. Anyways, um, we baptized 862 people. Hold the applause though. Here's the thing. I'm gonna throw out a bunch of numbers and I know how it works. You get applause fatigue. So by the end, you're like, <sighs> we'll praise the Lord at the end, okay? 862 baptisms. So we didn't make the thousand. I tried pushing people in the pool on New Year's Eve. Um, <laughs> didn't count. 541 people rededicated their life to Christ, came home to the, came back to the faith. Um, we ended up planting four churches here um, in, in, in the U.S. We planted uh, the Hills Church in Porterville, and um, they just brought on, they have a, a Spanish pastor there now because it's in a, a Latino neighborhood, and um, that, that one's going. We planted the Gathering Church in Southeast Clovis, and they're almost at financial self-sufficiency. They expect to move from being a church plant to a permanent church um, by the end of this year, and they have dreams of planting their own church now. We planted Eden Church in um, uh, Silicon Valley. And that church is in the same place where they're coming to a place of self-sufficiency and they're hoping to plant a church. Funny story, I was talking to Pastor Daniel Antondo at Eden Church and you know, mo mo most of his church, they all work in the tech industry. And they, um, he said, you know, it was really cool because um, I was like, man, how do you become financially self-sufficient in San Jose? Like it costs, you know, 
like they're renting a school costs like our mortgage here kind of deal thing. And he, he was like, well, he goes, you know, God works in really funny ways. He goes, you know, most of our congregation works in the tech industry and a lot of them work for Facebook and Google and Apple and, and you know, and, and um, some of these extremely liberal um, companies. And um, the coolest part is, is a lot of our members figured out that if they just saved all their tithe and they gave it at the end of the year in a one lump sum, that Facebook and they would all match their tithe because we're a 501c3. And um, so thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> for sowing into the kingdom. I know you're watching right now. We also ended up having a surprise plant. Uh, we, we're, we're planning a church in Sanger right now called Set Free. They meet on Sunday evenings. And Set Free is gangster. I'm just letting you know. Like I need to explain to you how Set Free, they're, they're all over California and we're helping start one here. Uh, I remember when I lived in Oceanside, uh, I'd go surfing and I'd be early in the morning changing into my wetsuit and there'd be some homeless dude drunk asleep on a bench there. And all of a sudden a van would, full of thugs would pull up. And they'd be like, hey, and I'm like, oh, what? Um, <laughs> not you, him. You know, they get out, they kind of bump him. They go, look at what? And they go, you want to get sober? You want a place to live? Yeah. Get in the van. They'd put him in the van and drive away. <laughs> and they would take him to a ranch in the middle of nowhere. So if he changed his mind, they'd be like, okay, you can walk. And what happens is these guys would get sober and they would find Jesus. And here's guys that had no purpose in their life. That's why they were drinking their life away or shooting up their life away. They had no purpose. And then you give them Jesus and they become gangsters for Jesus. And they are insane. And we're starting one in Sanger. As a matter of fact, this is the coolest vision. Jacob, he doesn't have it yet, but he has a vision. He wants to get like an old G'd out limo, like a 90s Lincoln Continental limo, and he wants to drive around downtown Fresno picking up homeless dudes in it, like, hey, you want to get sober? Pick them up, drive them out in the middle of nowhere, take them to the ranch, get them sober, give them Jesus. So we're excited about that. We trained over 300 church planters in India, in the, Phil- in the Philippines, um, through Dynamic Church Planners International. We, we train them. And what Dynamic Church Planner International tells us is that for every uh, church planner you train um, overseas, they usually plant about 1.5 churches in their life. So focus, through Focus 2020, we planted about 500 churches there. We ended up planting churches in Africa, in Malawi. We planted a church in a prison. That's gangster, people. <laughs> and then here's the best part. Someone from the group was like, wait, what are we going to do when these guys get out of the prison? So they planted a church in the town next to the prison. So when the guys get out of prison, they go right to that church. They got a place to go. They have a community that can help assimilate them. This is the church at work. So, yeah. And we ended up accidentally becoming a leader in evangelism in our state. I get calls from pastors all the time like, hey, um, I heard you do this thing with a, a light board and you call people forward to get a light bulb and, and what is that? And I go, well, it, it's this, it, it's called an altar call. <laughs> I had a newspaper, Baptist Press in Texas, in Dallas called and they're like, it's so innovative. I'm like, no, it's 300 years old. Um, 
we just did it with a light bulb. And they're like, yeah, but no one's doing it. And I said, well, um, the executive director of the California Southern Baptist um, Convention sent, sent me a, a text. And he said, you know, Clovis Hills has become a leader in evangelism and church planning. And it serves as a wonderful example to, to the churches throughout our whole state. And it continues to be exciting to see God bless the vision of 20, Focus 2020. Um, another guy wrote me and he said, you know, for some, um, they say, this is, uh, Jason Blankenship, he's over about 75 churches in our area here. And he said, some churches say they value evangelism, but if they're honest, it's really only as, an aspirational value. He says, you guys lead the area in salvations and baptisms and um, really what you guys set out to do in Focus 2020, I thought you were crazy. It seemed unattainable. He, he even said, as a matter of fact, I don't even know if our collective 75 churches could do that in three years, but God stepped in. See, and sometimes, sometimes you, you just gotta take a step. And you, we may fail at things. There will be times where we fail, where we do something and it didn't work. But you know what? You know what? I would rather fail for Jesus than watch, just sit back and watch. Because here's what I know. If God makes beautiful things out of dirt, if God draws straight lines with crooked sticks, you know what? He's even going to take our failures and he's going to do something great with it. We didn't get a thousand baptism. We failed. But you know what? 864 people stepped into the waters of baptism when we had done 80 in the previous year. So listen, this is a lesson for your life. It's really easy to sit back and go, oh, I'm gonna let other people do stuff because I don't wanna fail. Step out and fail. Step out and fail. Peter stepped out of the boat and sank. He's the only guy in that boat that knew what it was like to get rescued by the hand of Jesus. The rest of them just watched. So, I love this. Oh, Megan Fate Marshman, she spoke here at our uh, conference two weeks ago. If you don't know who she is, she's like a baller preacher. She's so good, holy cow. Um, she speaks all over the country. As a matter of fact, Willow Creek Community Church flies her in once, once a month. She's like their, one of their teaching pastors. And um, I remember I was standing in the back with a couple other pastors and she was preaching. Um, which by the way, Pastor Scott was her husband's youth pastor, which is super small world, weird. But um, I look at the other two pastors, I'm like, hey, how does it feel to know that that woman could preach circles around all three of us put together? And they're like, shut up, BD. <laughs> so um, I was talking to her backstage at, at the conference and she said, you know, before I came up, I wanted to know what church I was speaking at. And I just did a little research. I started asking people what they knew about Clovis Hills Community Church. I started finding some people and I had some mutual friends that knew about this church. And she goes, I had this one uh, family member. He's a pastor of a really conservative church. Um, and um, he knew who, who you guys were. So I asked him, I said, well, tell me about Clovis Hills Community Church. And he went, oh, them, huh? And he goes, well, um, Here's what I could tell you about that church. They go for it. And I took that as the highest compliment. Because we, we're going to be that church. We're going to take swings at things and we're not going to care what everyone else thinks. To be honest with you, um, doing Focus 2020, we took criticism from a lot of other churches and a lot of other Christians. And here's the deal. We'll take it. Because 
we'll take more of it if we have to, to see 2,507 people step from death to life, eternal life. To see 862 people get into the waters of baptism and say, I'm with Jesus, I'm in God's family now. Bring on all the criticism in the world. You can say we're soft on the gospel um, because people are getting saved, but really, if no one's getting saved at your church, maybe you're soft on the gospel because you haven't been calling people to it. Is the que- That's really what's going on. And we actually are gonna be hard on the gospel. We're gonna be for the gospel. We're gonna be a gospel-centered church. That's who we are. And... Um, I love what it says in verse 26 and 27 of this passage. Look what it says. Paul goes on and he says, the mystery that has been hidden, kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. I wanna pause there for a minute because I want you to understand what the mystery was. See, the mystery that Paul was talking about, and he wrote about it in his other epistles as well. See, there, the, all of the prophets in the Old Testament, Abraham, all of them, they all didn't understand how it was gonna all pan out. Because they knew that God had called Israel to be his people. But somehow, some way, God was going to use Israel to bring the rest of the world, the Gentiles, in to also being God's people. And they, they, they just didn't understand how that was going to work. And they didn't realize that it was going to happen through Jesus. And that what would happen is, is that Jesus would come and he would live a perfect life in our place because the Jews, they were trying to get to heaven and get to God by obeying the law and following the law and following all the rules. And we all know that doesn't work because no one can perfectly do that. And then the Gentiles were just off doing whatever they could do because, you know, if there's no God and this is the only life you have, eat, drink, and be merry. Because tomorrow we die. And that's what happens is the Gentiles were just off doing whatever they could do to try and find happiness. Maybe I can get another car. Maybe I can get a vacation home. Maybe I can get a new spouse. Maybe I can lose some weight. Maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do that. Hoping that would bring some purpose in their life and it didn't. And the mystery was how is God going to bring all this together? And he did it in Jesus. So in Jesus, he took God's people, Israel, and he took, do we have any Gentiles in the house today? (laughs) Bacon. Um, and the Gentiles, and he put them together in Christ and called them the church. Who's the church? Boom. And then he says, that was the mystery. He goes, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is, wait for it, this is the best line in in the book of Colossians, which is Christ in who? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at your neighbor right now and tell him Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And what that means is that you and I all carry Jesus. When you become a believer in Jesus and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you carry Jesus Christ, the hope of glory in you. That's why I tell you every week, go be the church, is because you carry him out those doors into your places of work, into your homes, into your schools, into you know, whatever your hobbies are. You be the church wherever you go. So now what do we do? We're done. I'll tell you what's next. More of this stuff, Amen. More of these lives being changed. More people stepping into discipleship. More of us digging deeper into discipleship as well. I want you to, for some of you, your next step um, 
is to, to start taking some of our core classes. We're, I, I'm starting this Wednesday night, our 101 class, Discovering Church Membership. It'll be here Wednesday night in this room. You, you can sign up for that. You just tear, write your tear off or get on your phone and register online or, or show up. I don't care. But do that. We have a 201 class we'll offer in February, and that's on how to develop habits in your life that will make you spiritually mature. We have a 301 class that teaches you about your spiritual gifts and how to use those. And then we have a 401 class that's called Discovering Your Life's Missions. And we'll be offering those throughout the year. That might be something you lean into. Some of you, it's time for you to lean into a growth group and get in a growth group. Next week, we'll have our growth group connection. You can start signing up for growth groups. You need other people to walk with you. That's how it works. You know, you tell your teenagers all the time, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Well, mm, you too. All the teenagers are like, yeah. And guilt you into a growth group. Listen. We also, if you want to go deeper, we have all kinds of classes. Pastor Steve Davison just finished a class, a 13-week class on Dallas Willard which was crazy, um, and like 25 of you went through it, which is, that's some heavy lifting right there. Uh, we offer uh, Real Women and Alpha Male, which is like a nine-month discipleship track for men and women, and you do it in community with 15 to 25, let's be honest, 35 to 50 with women, but um, <laughs> with men, 15 to 25 dudes, and you go through it learning to be a godly father, a godly husband, um, a godly man, a godly grandfather, whatever it is, godly woman, godly wife, godly mom, all of those things. And you lean into that. For others of you, it's time for you to step into our E212 School of Ministry. That happens, that also starts in um, September as well. And that's, that's a nine-month program where you begin to discover your call, what you're called to do. Some people, they move on, after they finish, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be a pastor. Others are like, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be a chaplain. Others say, oh, I'm gonna start this ministry in the church. We had one, she graduated from it. She goes, I thought I was supposed to be a pastor. You know what I'm supposed to be? A mom. I need to be a mother to my children. And that was her calling and she got it. That's as important as the others. Moms holla. Okay, so anyways. And then starting in the fall, we're also starting a new track called the Clovis Hills School of Theology. And that's going to, same thing, nine months, it's one night a week, and uh, Pastor Mike McGuffey and Brendan Henry are heading it up, and they, you know, we realized in this room every week, there's um, people with PhDs in theology and philosophy, and, and guys with, and women with extensive uh, biblical background. You know, there, there are some women in this church that went to a way better seminary than the one I went to, I'm just letting you know. And we're going to be teaching theology so that you can go deeper into God's word if you want to. So for some of you, it's, it's, now it's taking that next step into a deeper discipleship. I want to challenge you. We're doing a thing called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. We're doing it with about 100, 150 churches here in Fresno. Where we're going to take the next 21 days, starting today, and praying for our church, praying for um, God's movement in our church, and praying for breakthrough in your life, for things you're struggling with, whatever, whatever it is. And you take 21 days to do that. And every night of the week for 21 days, there's a worship service at different churches. Ours is the second to last one, Saturday night, the 25th. It'll be here. And churches from all over will come and we'll worship together and it'll be great. And I want to encourage you to lean into this. We're selling the, these little devotional books out back. They're five bucks. It's just a couple pages every day to kind of guide you in your prayer, especially if you're not good at praying. If you're like me and you have ADD and you're like, dear Jesus, thank you for burritos are delicious. I need to, I need to get my oil changed. I, you know, these help. Um, 
And then you're like, I can't fast. You don't have to fast food. Some people will fast food. But really fasting is giving up something for God. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, he didn't give up food. He gave up meat. Um, I personally, I'm giving up social media and television. And I'm replacing it with Jesus. So every time I want to do this and check my Twitter feed or Facebook or Instagram, instead, I'm going to replace it with God. I'm going to say a prayer. I might read a Bible verse. I might go do a good deed for someone in Jesus' name. That's really all you're doing. But if we all do it together and we all are coming together under prayer, the authority of God, just imagine what could happen in our church. Imagine what could happen. So I want to encourage you, lean, lean into that. Some of you, um, there's a bad habit in your life and you've white-knuckled it trying to quit time and time again and maybe... Maybe you just spend the next 21 days doing it with prayer and see how that works for you and you lean into it. So here, here's the deal. In uh, John's gospel, Jesus tells a story about um, this woman at the well. And it's fascinating to me because um, one, like it, it proves that there, there's no outsiders in Jesus Christ. Like that's one of the things I love about our churches. We have a value called open acceptance. And what that means is we don't care where you've been, we care where you're going. So that means no one's an outsider. Everyone is welcome in this room on a, on a Sunday morning. Sometimes, I remember once Pastor Joseph asked me, he said, hey, um, we got this guy and he doesn't believe in God, he's an atheist, but he wants to do sound because he thinks it's, our sound sucks here. <laughs> and his wife's been dragging him to church and I was like, well, so let him do it. And he's like, yeah, but he's not a Christian. I'm like, dude, if you hang around a barbershop, you'll get a haircut eventually. <laughs> He's going to hear the gospel three times every weekend. And sure enough, the atheists running our soundboard, maybe some of you are like, that's why it was so loud. <laughs> <laughs> Came forward to accept Jesus. See, Jesus has always been for the outsider. And Jesus is... He shows up to this woman, and for one, it's in Samaria, and Jews didn't go to Samaria. They avoided it at all costs. And he purposely went through Samaria because it was a bunch of outsiders, a bunch of misfits, and Jesus was always for that, that group. So he goes there, and there's this woman. She's there by herself at the well. It's in the afternoon, and you need to know something about Middle Eastern culture, um, especially in primitive places like that. Women went to the well in the morning. They went to get their water in the morning so they could do their chores and do their thing all day long. Plus, it was hot. You didn't want to go in the afternoon. And they all went together usually as a group. And, you know, you're like, well, I'm so glad we don't do that now. We have indoor plumbing. Amen. Here's the deal, though. Ladies, you still all go to the bathroom together. I'm just letting you know, all right? You imagined, guys, if we were like, hey, um, I got a tinkle. You want to go? Get punched in the throat. So this woman is here. And she's by herself. She's drawing water. Jesus walks up. He begins to speak to her. You have to understand the cultural context too is that Jewish men didn't speak to women that were not their wives or their sisters or their mothers. It was disgraceful for the man to speak to a woman. So he speaks to this woman, not just any woman, a Samaritan woman, not just any Samaritan woman because Jews didn't speak to Samaritans at all. They hated them. Um, this is a Samaritan woman that's kind of like on the outside because she's kind of a floozy. She's, you know, been with like multiple men and she's living with this guy now. And she, she's an outsider. To the Samaritans who were outsiders, they were like, 
man, she's an outsider. And Jesus approaches her. They begin to have this conversation about water. He asks her for a drink and they're talking about it. He goes, oh, well, if you were to drink the water I give you, you'd never thirst again. And she said, what are you talking about? Give me that water. I'll never go back to this well again. We, our ancestors go to this well every day. It's terrible. And he, he said, I don't think you understand what I'm talking about. The water I give you is living water. And what he was talking about was a relationship with the living God. And see, in our world, it's interesting. A relationship with the living God is not what most people think will give them fulfillment in life. They think if, oh, if I only um, get this degree, or oh, if I only um, have this house, or drive the newest model of this car, or I'm, I weigh this much, or I, I, my kids go to this school, or I get this promotion, or if I can go on this vacation, or I could have this uh, spouse instead of this one. Or, and, and we think all of those things are going to satiate this thing we have in us that we just can't ever feel, fulfill. And we're reaching and we're reaching. And to be honest, it's like we're drinking salt water. If you've ever drank salt water before, uh, I'm a surfer and what I know is some, sometimes Mother Nature gets you. And I've been out on big days and you get pummeled by these waves and you swallow a lot of salt water. And it's one of my favorite things to see after a big day, you see a guy on all fours on the shore barfing. Because <laughs> you know Mother Nature got him that day. Because your body is not meant to ingest that kind of water. It's, it's meant to ingest pure water, right? And, and here, here's the thing. We live in the wealthiest, most educated culture in human history and we are the sickest we've ever been. Our souls are the sickest we've ever been. Um, depression is at an all-time high. Suicide is at an all-time high. I, I could go on and on and on about the sickness of the soul of our culture and it's because we've been reaching for the salt water instead of the living water. And for some of you, Here's what I want you to know. God is not mad at you. He loves you so much. And Jesus is offering you living water. That you begin to drink from his stream. That'll make you whole. That'll give you peace. That shalom you, you've been dying to have. You know, um, one of the greatest cinematic masterpieces in the last hundred years was um, a movie called Shrek. Seeing if you're awake. And um, the final scene from Shrek, the female ogre, Fiona, finally sees herself in the mirror and she is aghast at what she looks like. And she cries out, she said, I was supposed to be beautiful. And see, that's the feeling a lot of us have. Life was, is supposed to be different than how it is. I have all this stuff and I just want more. And then I get it and it still doesn't feel right. See, but then Shrek comes along and he looks at Fiona and he says, you are beautiful. You're beautiful to me. And here's what I want you to know. Part of that longing to grab at whatever we can to make us happy is because we don't, we're not experiencing the unconditional love of God. And if you would open your heart to Jesus, the Bible says, but as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, if you receive Jesus, he's given them the right to become 
children of God. That's the living water. It starts with that simple step of faith. You put one foot in front of the other and you receive Jesus and then you put another foot in and you start following him by faith. And some of you, today's your day. You've been putting it off. You don't know why you were here today. Someone drug you here. But you sense it. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone listens, I will come in. Jesus stands at the door of your heart this morning, knocking, saying, I have living water for you. I have an unconditional love. And it's time that you step into becoming the person you were destined to be. It requires a little bit of courage and a tiny bit of faith. But I want to invite you to do it. Let's all pray. Hi, this is Pastor Sean Beatty from Clovis Hills Community Church. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, I encourage you to download the Clovis Hills app on your phone. With the app, you can do all kinds of things like prayer requests, live notes, giving. I also encourage you to check out our uh, Facebook Live page if, if you want to watch online. You can come to our services live. They're Saturday nights at 6 o'clock, Sundays at 9 a.m. and 1040. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast.